Welcome to The Outpouring with Executive Pastor Bob Oliver of the New Covenant Church of Philadelphia. Today we're going to finish, if the Lord says so, the sixth chapter of the Gospel of John. We took a pause because of the celebration we had guest speakers in. But I, I hope to impart some spiritual gift to you today as we walk together through the word. The, the title of the message is Walk With Jesus. Somebody say with me, Walk With Jesus. So I need you to walk together with me as we walk with him. Be patient. We're going to have some. And for those who are taking notes, there are some things that I'm going to talk about. It's all in scripture that won't necessarily be on the screen, and there's a purpose. I'm doing that intentionally as directed by the Holy Ghost so that you can take the address and then later be like the Bereans. I want you to read the word, and I hope you can do it today, if it's possible, do it today. Those who heard Paul preach, the Bereans, the Bible said, were more noble than them all because they searched the scripture to see if what Paul said was so. And this day is a day that God wants us to search him out together. And so I'm gonna begin, the first one, you don't need to read it now, I'm gonna give you some color, but in order to understand fully the latter part of the Gospel of John 6, the heart of it is the two fish and the five loaves. There are many other things, but there's a companion to that which has relevance, and it's found in Matthew 15, 29, and 39. Don't turn to it, just write it down so that later you'll have it. And there's a few others that will be a reference point for you. But before I get into the primary text, the reason I want to read this is because this was a, another, a similar miracle where Jesus fed the 4,000. But he did that in a place that was different and had significance. It was in the region of Tyre and Sidon, which was a Gentile region. The two fish, five loaves, was in a Jewish region. And it is his way of introducing himself as the savior of the world. And there are some things that happen that we'll go through in our primary text that had to happen in order for the promises of God to be fulfilled for you and me. But in the feeding of the 4,000, it began in this region because Jesus went there, and on his way, there was a woman from Canaan who met him. And, and that's why I want you to begin, actually you should begin Matthew 15, write down 21 through 39. 21 through 39, because I want you to capture what I'm about to say as part of it, because it's all relevant. He went into the region and a woman came to him. Some translations say a Canaanite. Other translations say a woman from Syrophoenicia, a Syrophoenician woman. What that is like 
is saying that I am a Philadelphian and I'm an African-American. So it talks about my place and my cultural heritage. That's why you see Canaan, place, Syrophoenician cultural heritage. Are you walking with me? Are we walking together? So this woman hears that Jesus is there and she goes out and she tells about her daughter, said, Lord, heal my daughter. And you know, Jesus said, this, I can't take the children's bread and give it to the dogs. She said, Lord, if just the crumbs from your table, that's enough. I'm, I don't need the loaf, just the crumbs. And Jesus said, woman, great is your faith. Be it unto you as you have spoken. And because of her faith, and no doubt her testimony, people in the region started coming to Jesus. They started, Jesus left there and went up into a mountain and they followed him. And there were so many people who came. There were 4,000 men plus women and children. And the Bible says that they brought the lame and the mute and all those with diseases and Jesus healed them. He took the time to heal them. And after they were there for three days, talk about a long church service, they didn't want to leave him. They stayed with him. The Bible says he looked on them and he had compassion. He said, because they've been with me for three days, they're like a sheep without a shepherd. And he asked his disciples, do you have something for them to eat? For I have compassion on them. They said, we have seven loaves and a few fish. Seven loaves and a few fish. We all know two fish, five loaves. Two plus five is what? This time, the bread was seven. They don't tell us the number of fish. It just says a few. The, other, the fish are identified in the other. Somebody ought to say, see la. There's something in that. But the, the disciples, like they did before, Lord, is this enough? He told them to tell the people to sit down. And he blessed it, and he broke the bread. 4,000 men plus women and children. Walk with me. At the end of it, there were seven large, and there was a reason we're told, seven large baskets. In the two fish, five loaves, there were 12 baskets. They're not, they're not called large, but they're different. One, in this case, for the Gentiles, is like a picnic basket. You put much in. For the, the, for the Jewish 12, the 12 is for the 12 tribes. The seven is complete. I'm the savior of the whole world. I'm, it's not your time yet. I'm going to bring you in. That's why he said to her, I can't take the children's bread and give it to the dogs. He wasn't insulting her. It's like a puppy. I can't take it from them and give it to a puppy. She didn't feel insulted. She continued to press in. 
That's what you ought to do. Sometimes the word might not make perfect sense. Don't be offended. Keep pressing in. If you keep pressing into him, he'll say to you, great is your faith. Be it unto you according to your heart. And so you have the 12, which represented the 12 tribes. You have the seven, which shows him as the savior of the whole world. They didn't understand it then, but do you understand it now? Somebody say amen if you're walking with me. So they took up the large baskets. There were seven of them. Jesus, after the three days, the Bible says he sent them away. So, so far, his congregation is 4,000 men plus women and children. We don't even know the number. And then we know he fed 5,000 with the two fish, five loaves. So Jesus has a mega church following, following him. And I'm calling it church even in the Old Testament because my personal definition of church doesn't change old or new because the church is anywhere Jesus is. It's not about a place, it's about a person. Wherever Jesus is, I've been in a place that's outside of what you would call a church, but we had church. I've been in some people's homes and we had church. We begin to sing and to worship God in his church. I've been at work. God is my witness. And people say, I feel like I'm in church because there's a presence that follows us. And when that presence enters in, even unbelievers say, I had this feeling before. It feels like church. So church is anywhere that Jesus is. So we're in church now because Jesus is here. If Jesus wasn't here, it'd just be a building. And so that's why I say he had a mega church following. Are you walking with me as we walk with Jesus? So now with the context of the 4,000 Let's go in, in to our primary text, which is in John, found in John chapter 6. And we're going to be walking through, I'm, I tried to break it up so it's not too much reading at once, but we're going to get all the way to verse 71. But we're going to read, 71 is the last verse. I promised you when we started walking through this, we're going to go line upon line and precept upon precept. Here little, there little. Every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God matters. I believe God wants to bring us to a place where it's not about personalities or what you know. We know nothing apart from Jesus Christ. And so we need the pure, unadulterated word. Lord, we need a word from you. John 6 I'm going to read verses 50 through 59. Then we're going to talk a little bit and then we're going to move on. Jesus says to them, This is the bread which comes down from heaven that one may eat of it and not die. Verse 51, he says, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. 
If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. He's talking to a Jewish audience. Their world was Israel. But Jesus is saying, I'm giving my flesh, my body, for the life of the world. And that's why it's important to read what happened with the Gentiles, because now with him, there's neither Jew nor Gentile. He's the savior of the whole world. The Jews therefore quarreled among themselves, saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? I got to give a little commentary here because they start, this text started in the grass. He told them, sit them down and give them the bread. And it said the place had a lot of grass. They've now moved. It's a different scene. They're in a synagogue, or can I say they're in a church and that'll be proven out in the scripture. Walk with me and you'll see they're in a church and they're quarreling. They're quarreling. They're in the presence of Jesus and they're quarreling. What in the world did they come to synagogue for? Why are they quarreling? Because of a misunderstanding. They didn't understand what he was saying and it was hard for them to receive it. This is a hard saying. How is he going to do this? And they began to quarrel. God told me to tell you, don't quarrel with one another. If there's something that you don't understand, seek to understand. And all you're getting, get an understanding. They're in the presence of the one who wants to give them eternal life. And they're quarreling. And the reason they're quarreling is because they lack Understanding. Are you still walking with me? You heard them say, the Jews therefore quarreled among themselves, saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Why did they quarrel among themselves? Why didn't they ask Jesus? He was right there. I must tell Jesus. There are some times we ought to be talking to him, and then we'll get an understanding. Let's keep going. Then... Jesus said to them, if y'all don't want to talk to me, I'll talk to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Just because they didn't understand it, Jesus didn't change the truth. I want you to know we're living in a time where people alter the truth in order to be popular with other people's opinion. That's not what Jesus did. Jesus gave them the truth. The reason he did it is because he was the truth. He couldn't deny himself. And what we have to do is embrace the truth. And you'll see later how we can do that. How we can do that and avoid quarreling like them in the house of God. He says, for my flesh is food indeed, 
I think I skipped over. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. And as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so, who, so he who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. These things he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. So John wants us to know where he was and the setting. Jesus is teaching them, but they're not receiving what he's teaching. I want you to know, God reminded me as I went through this and it put the fear of God in me, that whenever there's a new thing, the reason they don't understand it is because Jesus was int introducing a new thing. It went against what they had been taught in that same synagogue by the rabbis. God told me to tell his people. He told me first so that I can impart it to you that he's come to challenge everything that we thought we knew. And that's going to be made plain a little more as we continue in the word to challenge everything that we thought that we knew and that has to happen when he wants to do a new thing. And it's hard. It's hard, Deke, because we get recalcitrant in our ways. They came to the synagogue every Sabbath to read the Torah and to hear the word. He's telling them what's in the word, but they can't recognize it because they have a way of interpreting and seeing it and having their personal hermeneutics. But if you don't see it through the lens of Jesus, you don't see it clearly. And he wanted them to know that the things that you think about the manna is, are things that point to me. And I'm the one. I'm the bread. That bread was given to your fathers so as a shadow of what's to come. I am that bread. I'm the living bread. The man of perished. It only lasts for a day. But I'm the bread that lasts forever. I'll never perish. And if you eat me, you won't perish either. There's nothing like Jesus. You, you got to get him. You got to consume him. He said, if you consume me, you abide in me and I in you, and you will never die. Your fathers ate manna and they're dead. That manna wasn't there to give them life. It was to sustain them for a day. But I'm the bread who comes to sustain you forever. And I'm the bread that's for the whole world. Somebody ought to say amen. So I want to show you something so that we can avoid it. In the, in the Torah, in the Talmud, in the Pentateuch, in the law, and in all things they trusted, what Jesus is saying was right there. But their eyes were not open, and their ears were dull of hearing. 
And in our time, we have more light. But for you and for me, what we've got to do is remember how much we need him. James said it this way. There are some who are like a person who looks at their face in the mirror and then they walk away and forget what they saw. It's the work. Something simple happened to me for God to teach me this lesson so that I would understand grace and truth. I was talking to God about something more like a Davidic prayer, about somebody who did something to me that was wrong. Um, God would agree that it was wrong. There was no disagreement. And I went to God about it. And after I finished, in a very gentle, fatherly way, he said, you did the same thing. I'm telling you, it was such conviction, and it wasn't even that long ago. And then I realized it changed my heart. And what the word does is it puts the mirror so that you won't judge another person. You will extend grace to the hearers because you realize I need a savior just like you. And that's why I've got to walk with you. It's important to walk with him because when you walk with him, he'll talk with you. He'll tell you he's his own. Walk, he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I'm his own and the joy we share as we tarry there, no other has known. There's something about walking with him that keeps us in line. We're living in a time where so many are walking away from him for the first time in my lifetime and probably for the first time of the lifetime in everyone in this room because it's been more than 100 years in this nation that a minority of people profess faith. Pew Research, Barna, there are multiple research streams that agree that right now about 47% of people claim any faith, whether it's Judaism, Christianity, that's never ever happened. There was a time when the values of the nation reflected Christendom. I don't have to tell you that's not so anymore because so many have decided to walk with him no more because there are things they don't understand. And because of that, they're offended and they walk away. I want you to know there's nowhere else to go. He's the shelter in this time of storm. There's nowhere else to go. He is life. He is the life. He's the light of the world. There's nothing but darkness outside of him. And so they quarrel, they misunderstood, and if they would have looked at, a, a, I think one of the things that tripped them up is Leviticus 17 and 10. I want you to put that one up first, that one verse, Leviticus 17 and 10. And it's, you can understand why to them it was a hard thing. They said, how can he do this? It's a hard thing. It sounded unlawful to them. He comes to challenge everything that we thought we knew. It reads, and whatever man of the house of Israel, he's in the synagogue talking to the house of Israel, or of the strangers who dwell among you, 
who eats any blood, I will set my face against that person who eats blood and will cut him off from among his people. So when they heard Jesus, they're saying, this is a hard thing. Why are we going to do this? We'll get cut off. There's no way he can be of God talking like that. Does he not know what Leviticus 17 and 10 says? The letter kills, but the spirit makes alive. If they would have just read one more verse, they might have got some light. Verse 11 reads, can you put up verse 11? For the life of the flesh is in the blood. See, they were focused on death and being cut off. He was coming to bring them life. The life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your what? For your souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement for the soul. Somebody say, I know it was the blood. If they would have understood this verse, it would have brought to their remembrance something they celebrate every year, the Passover. And in order for them to live, they had to put the blood over the lamppost. They had to go get a lamb that was one year old that was unspotted. And they had to roast that lamb. It was a sacrifice. You had to roast them with fire. And then every household bishop had to consume it all. And the instruction was, if you can't eat it all, bring your neighbors. But you got to consume the whole thing. What Jesus was saying is you need to eat my flesh and my blood. He's trying to tell him them, I'm that sacrifice. I'm the bread. The manna isn't the real thing. That lamb wasn't the real thing. Behold the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. I want you to know this is the real thing. I'm the real thing. You've had shadows long enough. You've been dwelling in the shadows long enough. I've come that you might have life. You need to receive it. The thing that vexes God's heart is that he gave, he completed it with the seven, and he brought it first to the 12. That's how it had to be, to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. Can you see that in John 6 and in Matthew? If you follow it, his word is consistent. It's consistent. You just have to see it. But they missed who Jesus was because they couldn't get past what they thought they knew. And God was revealing to them the way of life. There are 7.8 billion people in the world today who would rather walk in their own ways than to walk with Jesus. It vexes God's heart. He made a way for the whole world. Jesus said, I give my life for the whole world. And just as he went to his own and his own received him not, there are too many elders who don't walk with him. God told me while I was preparing for this, I was in a room by myself, that there's vexation in the heart of God for so many people who are quarreling when they ought to be worshiping, for so many people who are walking alone when they, want to, when they ought to walk with him. Have you ever had responsibility? Parents, I know this is so, but some of you who are not parents, you can relate to this also for a young child. 
and you're about to walk across the street, what is the first thing you're going to do? You're going to take their hand and you're going to walk with them. Walk with me, Lord. Walk with me. Hold my hand, Lord. Hold my hand. Here's what God told me. He said, I've got some children who, after walking with me, they reach up their hand. You ever have a child, they know they're about to they're reach up for you to take their hand because they know their security, their safety, and they'll walk. But there's another kind of child who will snatch their hand away and they want to do it themselves. Sometimes they snatch their hand and they'll even run. You have to go get them. And God said, I got both kinds of children. They're my children, but some of them snatch their hand away and they don't know they're going into danger. I'm trying to tell them, walk this way, walk with me, but they want to go this way. So they snatch away from my hand and they walk another way. Somebody say, walk with me, Lord. Walk with me. We're, we're talking about walking with Jesus. He's given access to the whole world. And the majority, just as it is in our generation and our time, have choo chosen to walk another way. I promise you this. When you walk with him and you keep on walking, you shall never walk alone. I watch people in my, where we live is on a cul-de-sac and people walk through the community and they come to the cul-de-sac and they go around. And I, sometimes I'm doing people watching, I see people who walk by themselves. It's a different type of look and if they, depending on how far they've walked, you can see on their face, they're about the, they're about the end of their route. Because <laughs> it's just them. Some of them will have ear pods. They'll be talking to someone on the phone because they don't want to walk alone. Others, they might be listening to music, but it's still their countenance is different. But then I see people who are walking with a partner. And they're talking. And their countenance, look, I can't tell how far they walk because when they're not walking alone, they're occupied. What Jesus wants to do is to occupy space in our life so that we know we're not alone, so that we can walk and not be weary. You're less weary when you got a partner. We, Jesus says, I want to walk with you because I know there are times that you get weary. There are times when you're walking with me, I'll know when you're heavy laden and I'll give you rest. You can walk and not be weary. Are you walking with me? Are we still walking together? All right, let's keep going. Verse 60. Here is where we're gonna really get started. It says, therefore, many of his disciples, not just anybody, Many of his disciples, when they heard this, and what they heard was the truth, when they heard this said, this is a hard saying, who can understand it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, he said to them, does this offend you? 
It's interesting, they complained to themselves and Jesus knew it. One of the things I've learned that when I complain to myself, I'm never by myself. Because when I walk with him, it's him. And even then, like the complaint I told you I took to him, he reminded me that I need to be more gracious because I did the same thing. They complained among themselves, but Jesus said, does this offend you? What then if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? I came from heaven. What if you see me go back? And that happened at the Mount of Olives. It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you who do not believe. Take that in. These are his disciples, and they don't believe. These are his disciples, and they don't believe. We often categorize people as believers and unbelievers. Does being a disciple make you a believer? Then this text must be wrong, because it says, and many of his disciples... And now Jesus is saying to them, many of you don't believe. You might not know if I believe or not, but Jesus knows. This is chilling. It's meant to be. The truth is to bring us closer to him and to be in the truth. And because of what happens here, today you can see many people will mix some stuff so that people don't walk away so that people continue to show up. Jesus didn't change it. They didn't understand it, he still told them the truth. They were offended, he still told them the truth. Is this me talking or do you see it in the text? And listen, listen what it says next. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who would betray him. John's purpose is intentional about categorizing those two things. Those who were disciples who did not believe and those who would betray him. The one who betrayed them, he calls them by name. You can count them. The ones who didn't believe, it just says many, and you'll see that. It's so many, there's no number. So unbelief is far more prevalent than betrayal. Betrayal hurts because these are people who he discipled, who he taught, who he called out, who followed him, who when they were sick, he healed them. When they were hungry, he fed them. He wanted to give them eternal life, but they still didn't believe because they came to him for the wrong reasons. They came to him for what he could do for them. They didn't come to him because of who he was. I want to show you in a minute that there was a people who came and they pressed in for the right reason. But for those people, all of those people who now were following him, something is about to happen. I want to use a pun. It was a moment of truth. 
It re the next verse says, therefore, and, and he said, therefore I've said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by my father. The lesson I take from this is Jesus didn't take it personal. It wasn't personal rejection to him because he knew that all this stuff was decided in heaven. That takes a load off your shoulders. It really does because what happens is based on heaven's will, not our will. And if we're serving him and we're just doing what he says, heaven will take care of it. And so now he's telling them that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by my father. Listen to the next verse. You ready to hear this? Yeah. From that time, many of his disciples, bishops, not, not just his followers, not just casual churchgoers, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. They walked with him no more. I'm going to walk with him until I can't walk. God, if you tell me a truth that's bitter, I'm going to walk with you. And there's something that's about to happen. Jesus then, then Jesus said to the 12, so many of all those other people who were disciples walked away. So then he turns to the 12, which he often did. Then Jesus said to the 12, do you also want to go away? Somebody in your house might have backslidden. Jesus said, do you also want to go away? It doesn't matter. My mother and father are in glory, but if they would have went away, I know for him myself, I ain't going nowhere. I'm walking with him. But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? That I have nowhere else to go. You have the words of eternal life. And we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Peter said, we believe it and we also know something. See, there's a time in your walk that you got to know something. So the people who just believe, they turn to unbelief and they walk with him no more. But those who went from believing to the next level of knowing, they stood right there with him. When the crowds dissipated, they still stayed with Jesus. When everybody else walked away because they knew something, I know too much about him. You can't make me doubt him. I know too much about him. You can't make me doubt him in my heart. And look at what Jesus says. Jesus answered them, did I not choose you? Who's he talking to? The 12. And one of you is a devil. Even the chosen bishop, many are called, but few are chosen. He said, I chose you and one of you is a devil. There's never going to be a, a fountain that's pure. Never going to be a fountain that's pure. Many walked away. Then he turns to the 12. They knew that. But he said, I chose you 12 and one is a devil. He spoke of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, 
for it was he who would betray him, being one of the 12. The betrayer, you can name him, because it's only one. But everything in the kingdom of God has purpose. The Jews rejecting him had a purpose. It's so that we could enter in. That's why I went from 12 to seven, to completeness. 12 tribes to complete the whole world had a purpose. Judas had a purpose so that he can go to the cross. When, G when the same Peter had a revelation, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? Some say Jeremiah, some say Elijah, some say one of the prophets, but who do you say that I am? Peter answered and said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. In the next breath, Jesus told him the death he was gonna die. And the next breath, Peter said, no, that should never happen to you. Jesus said, get behind me, Satan, for you savor the things of men and not of God. Peter didn't understand that it was God's will that this would happen. Everything that happens in your life, in my life, bitter and sweet, good and bad, is with purpose. And if you understand that the purpose of God is being worked out, you will walk with him and not be like those who walk no more just because they don't understand and they're offended, offended by the word of God. The living word that brings life. They choose death. It's the will of God that we choose life. Behold, I set before you the ways of life and death. Choose life. Now here's the next thing I want to do. I want you to read. This is for your notes. Luke, the Gospel of Luke, chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. We're only going to look at verse 1 because it makes the point. Luke 5, 1 through 11. You got it in your notes? All right, let's put up Luke 1 to set up something. It reads, so it was, as the multitudes pressed about him to hear the word of God, that he stood by the lake of Genesaret. They came the way we, always, we should always come. They pressed their way to hear the word of God. Those other crowds came because they, wanted, they heard about him healing them. They came because they heard he provided bread. They came because they heard he was a good teacher and his word had authority and power. But these people came to hear the word of God and the outcome was different for them. Here is how God would have us to be, even when we don't understand. And it's in this text. You'll read it later, but I'm going to tell you some things now. Put up the first picture. No, no, no. That's the second picture. The first picture. The one with the boat that goes with, okay. So here, just to set, you see how many people, you see the sea of humanity? That's why I said Jesus had a mega church follower. But many of his disciples turned away when they heard the truth. On this day, Jesus went down by this lake. This is a lake, fresh water, fresh water. 
And the people followed him because they wanted to hear the word and they were pressing on him so much. He went to Simon, who wasn't even Peter yet, Simon. And he said, let me, let me have your boat so I can go sit on it. And he went on the boat so he could face the people and communicate with them. The people came to hear the word of God and Jesus gave them the word. But what happened after is the most instructive. So after he gave them the word and he sent them away, he went to Peter and the sons of Zebedee, Peter, James, and John, who by the way, walked with him. On the day of Pentecost, I wanna say this real quick. On the day of Pentecost, Jesus, after his resurrection, had walked for 40 days. 40 represents testing. We're starting to plan for our next year's anniversary. 40, always testing. Maybe someday I'll give you the scriptures to look up so that you see what that is. But you know, Jesus was in the wilderness for 40 days. Moses was on the backside of the mountain for 40 years. There's a lot to the 40 that shows that biblically it's testing. But he asked him for his boat and he got the three of them and the others and their partners. Now these have proved, will prove faithful down the line because Jesus, when he rose, had above 500. And Corinthians is very clear, more than 500 saw him after his resurrection. In the upper room, there was only 120. In the garden of Gethsemane, only three went close and they fell asleep. When he went to the cross, there was only one, John. The closer you get to the cross, the smaller the crowd gets the smaller the crowd, because people are encumbered with many things. I just wanted to give you that. But when you look at this crowd that Jesus was ministering to, how many people are there? What do you think? Thousands. Deacon Blackstock, you're the numbers man. Can you count them for all of us? <laughs> it's a lot of, lot of people, right? He sends them away, and then he begins to minister. He goes to Peter, says, let me get one of your boats. Let me get your boat. And after he ministers on it, he said, come here. Take your net and cast it out for a draught. They said, Lord, we've toiled all night. We've toiled all night. Remember, the Lord said he's coming to challenge everything we thought we knew. We've toiled all night and we caught nothing. Now they were, by training, they were expert fishermen. They knew where the fish were, when the fish bite. They knew you do it at night. It's daylight. It doesn't make sense to them because they are trained fishermen. They knew do this for a living. This is how they feed their families. They said, Lord, no. This, and it's Peter who always speaks up. He's the sanguine among them. He said, Lord, mm, and what he was really saying is this don't make no sense. Do you know that we were out there all night? You know how many times we've done this? And well, while they were cleaning their nets, they were finished. The Bible says, you'll see when you read it, they were cleaning their nets. They were done.
even so he Repentance came over for man. Fear not. I'm he had purpose. They were all night to now they have when they They forsook him. But I was taught to give us such a revelation that he important. They forsook toiling all night was to catch fish. He gave it's not the fish that how God teaches us to walk with him. Who's an innovator. He went to Switzerland. They didn't know he was in about to his parents and they gave family, the father's a doctor, the mother's a doctor. This one never practiced medicine. Educated, he probably doesn't even know this, by the way, would be game-changing for the world. The matriarch of the family. And I went out to for you. And then I say yes, things changed. 
they were counting on me. They lacked. They were. They didn't know anything. So I said yes. Gave them access to my to the most to life. Had supped with many times. Listened to what we had. Probably just a sense. Because that's what they wanted, right? They wanted. I have a friend that a bank brought them. It all stopped. Turned my calls. And one day I was some leaders in Philadelphia. Twenty-two and twenty-two. Amazing. You have to pay attention for when God is two and twenty-two. Put it in your notes. But essentially, it talks about. The things that are on the. But then it says, He's the one. Shut. He shuts it, and no one can. As I left, you got too much on your. Supposed to be. Me until I went to God. I was frustrated. I said, Lord, I know you put. So, God, I'm coming to you today. If this isn't your will, I want what you want. And I sensed in my heart that you wanted me. To me, you do. I'm okay with it. Lord, what would you have me to do? At time, I had no answer. Later, the vice chairman. See, if a bird joke is easy and his burden is on my shoulders because they am that. Called me and, a, and I said, you know what? I'm themselves. Every time I turn Can I be honest with you? It was not what I 
God was already in my spirit. Part and very and what we were doing, and within the name, not big time, we were looking for. Cut those doors. That's not the way you are to go. Ask me from the beginning until you're frustrated. I want carried away. And so now I don't know on this to walk with me. While I'm on this tedious journey, I need you, Lord, to walk with me. He challenged everything that I thought I knew. Just as he did for the fishermen, just as he attempted to do for the people in the synagogue. And you know, the only ones who didn't respond were the people in the synagogue. They were so religious. That in that text that we just read, and you'll see, they came to hear the word of God. They were Gentiles. They were outsiders. It was something to them that they ate. But the insiders felt they already knew. I already know God. God sends his son, the true revelation of God, and they couldn't receive it. They could not receive it because he was challenging everything they thought they knew. Whenever I or you think we know it all, we're walking in the wrong direction. We need a teachable spirit, and we need to always know, I need you. We need to be like Peter when Jesus told him, when he said, no, Lord, you'll never wash my feet. He said, if, you don't, if I don't wash your feet, you won't be clean. He said, not just my feet, but my head and all of me. He said, no, 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 you're clean through the word that I've spoken. I just need to wash your feet. We need to come to the place where we know on a daily basis, Lord, I need to walk with you. Wash me. Cleanse me with your blood. Give me a fresh sprinkle of your blood because your ways are not my ways. Your thoughts are not my thoughts. As high as the heavens are from the earth. So are your thoughts for my thoughts. I want to know your th the thoughts of your heart. And I got to be connected to you in order to do that. I need to walk with you. I don't have enough, I don't have enough know-how to do it without you. Where shall we go? You have the words of life. Somebody say, walk with Jesus. And keep on walking. Those disciples who chose to walk with him no more, thought they had a better way. Peter knew that there was no better way. But even among the 12, he said, one of you is a devil. That person had a purpose. Matthias had a purpose. Matthias is the one, we only hear about him once in scripture, 
You may not be well known, but you have a purpose. The purpose of Matthias was to make certain that the 12 tribes were represented. Those 12 baskets could not be represented by a devil. One of you is a devil. That left how many? 11. So they brought Matthias and he completed the 12. Somebody say amen if you're walking with me. Everything has a purpose. And even though Matthias doesn't have an epistle, Matthias is not known like the others. He had a purpose. God wants you to know your life has a purpose. You're, you might be, your purpose might be to fill the purposes of God, which is very, very important. It is in this generation, more than any other time of our existence, important to walk. It's essential to walk with Jesus because there are so many other voices that people respond to and so many other voices that agree with what people think they know. What I want is truth. What I want is Jesus. And even when he has to tell me that the very thing that you're complaining about, you're also guilty of, I say, thank you, Lord, because now he just washed me. And he calls me, and I try not to do the same thing twice. Lord, hold up the word. Let it be a mirror so I can see if I have broccoli in my spiritual teeth. Because somebody might not tell me, but he will always tell you. When they were offended, he still told them the truth. But God let me know that too many people will modify it so that they don't go from that large crowd to something small. Here's what I believe God is up to, because it's discouraging seeing the decline in the numbers in the church. What he's up to is what happened in John 6. All those who didn't believe, they went out. But to the true believers, they stayed. And the one who was a devil, when his purpose was done, he was, he was out. Let me tell you what makes a powerful church is the one that Jesus is in. Wherever he's at, listen to this. Those people still went back to the synagogue, but there was no Jesus. They walked away from him. They still went back to the synagogue worshiping their God and they turned away the one who represents God in the flesh, whom the Godhead bodily dwelled in. They turned him away. So it's not about scale. He's gathering. God always scatters before he gathers. I want you to know he's gathering a people, a people who are going to walk with him, a people who are going to believe even when it doesn't make sense, a people who are going to say, nevertheless, at your word, I'm going to do this. Let, put up the second picture, the last point. Jesus' crowds always followed him, but they didn't always stay with him. He's on the mountain. This is before the Beatitudes. This is before 
he goes, and there's something I want you to see. You see all those people. It's in Matthew 5 and 1. And seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Jesus sees all the multitudes but he focuses on his disciples, the 12, the ones who he knows they really believe. Sometimes there's a great, multi it looks impressive because there's lots of people, but I want you to know the ones that Jesus is focusing on, I'm gonna teach you because you're teachable. I'm gonna put faith in you because I know you really believe. He saw all of the multitudes, but his disciples, and look at where he's looking. That's why I like this picture. He's focusing on them. Everybody heard the same word. The people in the synagogue all heard the same truth, but many of his disciples walked away. We're in a season where the church, it looks like it's getting smaller, but God made it clear that it's getting stronger because he is, before there's a breakout and there's a breakthrough, he just needs a few who are really with him. And when it looks like, like Elijah, everybody has forsaken you. No, I got 7,000. When Paul was ready to flee from Corinth, Jesus said, don't leave and don't be afraid. I've got many in this city. Paul didn't see that. It was hard for him to perceive because they had beat him. They had put him in jail. They were trying to kill him. And Paul stayed there for another two and a half years because he believed the word of God. What he was seeing wasn't consistent, but when he heard the word, he believed it. I want to encourage you not only to hear the word, but believe it and do it. I try with all my might. Whenever God gives me a word, I want to walk in it. I want to do it because if not, hold up a mirror and then when I walk away, I forget the image that I saw. And I want for you and for me that us to, one day we'll hold up a mirror and our image and our likeness will be like him. Is there anybody who wants to be more like him? That only happens when you walk with him and you keep on walking with him. Thank you for joining us in service today. We pray that this ministry has been a blessing to you and your family. To give your gift of love and help keep this ministry on the air, visit nccop.church giving for all of the ways that you can donate to the ministry. Thank you so much for your generosity and God's blessings until we meet again.